Okay. Good morning. Let's get started with our review of yesterday's daf. Yesterday was daf Lamates, and today is Mem. So we're starting off with uh, what we learned yesterday, and I believe that it was at the um, Iboilu. I'm not even sure where we got up to yesterday. What? I'm starting from there. So um, it's about uh, six lines up from the bottom of the page. And the Gemara asks a question when, uh, when doing this refuah that's mentioned in the Mishnah for te- being teary-eyed. So the question is, is that uh, does it, um, um, do you have to eat the fresh uh, grain in the fresh season and the dry grain in the dry season, or is it uh, even the fresh and the dry, even in the fresh season, and then you could have the, the three-month test right next to it in a contiguous manner. So we brought a proof from Ravid Baravinus in the name of Rav Yitzhak who said that Adar Nisan is lach, and Elon Tisha is Yavish. Doesn't that mean it's those months? That means that's when you got to do it. So the says, that just doesn't prove anything. That could be the fruits of Elo and Tishrei. I'm feeding you in the months of Adar and Nisan. So it doesn't really prove it. All right. Anyway, we got to the question of how much do you need to feed. Um, and we said, uh, Rabinchas Ben Arova said that it's uh, the size of a grogras, uh, a fig. And uh, Rabba said that in Eretz Yisrael, they asked the question, this Kigrogeres, this size, does it need to be the first meal of the day, or even with or with every meal? And if you say that it's um, the first meal of the day, does it have to be before eating or even after eating? As we find, before eating surely will work because that's like medication. But after eating is the question: Is it before drinking or after drinking? Take with the water or or not? Um, before drinking surely works. It's more going to be more effective. Like uh, when you eat before you drink, they eat barley before they would eat the meal, or drink rather. Uh, that's another question. Second, the next one is, uh, the, is the animal uh, allowed to be tied at the time that it takes the medication? Or it must be free range, free, untied. Um, surely if it's untied, it would surely be more effective. Um, and therefore our question is when it's tied. And then we said... Uh, yeah, when it's alone, or e- on- even when it's alone, or only when it's with friends, because surely it's going to be better when it's with friends than with it's, uh, when it's alone, and in the city or in the field. Um, so he said that, that uh, surely in the field would be better, but maybe it works even in the city. And even if you say it needs to be in the field, maybe, or it's no good in the city, maybe the garden that's near the city, maybe that's good enough, that's already close enough to being in the field. And we said that it rains with teku. But I do want to point out that uh, if, you, um, if, you, if you live in the city and you have no friends and uh, you're all tied down so then, uh, and you're sick and you want to know why, you know, well, now you know why, okay? Because all of those things make it harder to get better. That's uh, the bottom line. Okay. Right. All right. Um, um, next we talked about is Rabbi Hanin ben Atignos, and he said that uh, in the Mishnah that uh, it has to be checked three times within the 80 days. So Rabbi Nachman Yitzchak explains that those three times need to be um, regular intervals. It can't be um, very close together. It should be, they should be 
equal, equal distant from each other. The 27th, the 45th day, it was saying the 27th, the 40th, and the 80th. And the 80th? I don't see why I brought that down, but I saw it yesterday. Well, is that, uh, that's how you get it, Mishul um, I didn't uh-huh. think that it meant Mishul Hashem, like... Um, Rashi says, you know, if you check one day today, then check 26, day, 26 and a half days later, and then on day 60, right, exactly, and then another 26 and a half days later than that, and that'll be right, and then it comes out to a full 80 days, one, two, and three. But the idea being is that uh, it should be three times over the 80 days, pretty regular. I don't think, I don't know, it's interesting. I would assume that it's not doesn't have to be that exact as long as it's uh, spread out pretty, pretty basically. Okay. Um, next we saw is a question from Pinchas, the brother of Shmar Shmuel. And he asked Shmuel a question. If somebody eats, uh, if the animal ate, ate, ate this refuah and uh, it wasn't, uh, didn't work, so is that's a blemish? Or uh, um, is it a blemish that's backwards, it's retroactive, or is it only a blemish from then on? And uh, the reason why that's relevant, because in cases, cases of regular Agdish that have this particular blemish, and you did a redemption on the money, and you use that money, um, if it's retroactive, so then that money was your mold by Agdish, you basically did a, a big no-no, and otherwise uh, you're not mobile by Agdish, and Shmuel says, wow, that's a pretty impressive question coming from you. <laughs> so, yeah. Next, we talked about uh, the nose, and we said that if there's a hole in the nose, or if there is a pagam, a damage in the nose, a broken nose, crack, um, or the lip, um, that have any of those things also qualify as a blemish. So the rabbis learned that uh, if there's a hole in the nose, one into the other, then it's a mum, but uh, that has to be in the visible part, not in the not deep in if there's a hole in the septum I guess in, uh, that's what we're talking about uh, next we talked about is um, the the lip we said that the cut in the lip has to be bro- uh, crosswise that it's actually visible it's like along the length of the lip and it won't be as noticeable the idea the idea is that this should be a, a recognizable easily seen uh, blemish if it's something that you don't you know that you have to you know look very carefully to find that's not going to qualify next we talked about is the teeth and the area around the teeth the gums um, so he said there's the outer part that uh, have uh, damage um, that would qualify but in the inner part it needs to be pulled in order for it to be to count and Rabbi says that we don't check um, from the double teeth and beyond that we, um, including the double teeth, we don't, we don't worry about those teeth. Okay. Um, so then we saw a Bryson that talks about these uh, double teeth. We said that from the double teeth and inward, is, and the teomus is also like the inward. And then we saw Rabbi Shubman Kabutzoi, who said that uh, we don't shecht on the out, only on the outer ones, not on the inner ones. That's second opinion. Then Rabbi Khanid Ritikman says that we don't even look at the teomus at all. Problem is, is that we don't even hear three opinions over here, so what's going on? So first we said, first of all, what is he saying? Second of all, 
What is Rabbi Yishuv ben Kabbatzai arguing on the Tanakhama? It sounds like it's the same thing. So the Gemara says you're missing some pieces. What is qualified as inner teeth um, from the Tiomis and, and beyond? The Tiomis is also considered an inner tooth. This is only not going to count as a blemish when it's nifkam nigmam, but if it's nekru, if it's uprooted, even those teeth, the, the double teeth and back, they would give, you would shak the animal on that basis. And Shubin Kabatsoi says, no, we never shak the animal on the basis of the inner teeth at all, only on the outer teeth, but the inner ones that were pulled out, even though we don't shak on it to say that it's loud, loud nowadays, but it is already going to still be puzzle from being brought as a korban. So in other words, it needs the threshold to be puzzle as, as a korban, but it doesn't need the threshold to be, uh, to be a mum that's open enough to render it allowed to be shechted now. And Rabbi Chinid Merentigas says that uh, we ignore the tiyomas altogether and it's not even puzzle whatsoever. Came along Rav Chodboi Barami, um, is there a mechus or ever bin befinim or not? That's the question. Or if it's missing a limb on the inside of its body that's completely not visible, is that acceptable? So the Gemara says, what's the question? If we're talking about a piset, um, a, a bechor, so we know that it needs to be visible. It says, gives examples of blemishes like piseh or ever. It's lame or it's blind. That's very noticeable. Oh, and if we're talking about kachim, it also says terminology, averes or shavor. Again, very recognizable, visible types of blemishes is what's disqualifying it. So you're right. As far as shechting it nowadays, meaning a bechor, and allowing the coin to eat it, or as far as redeeming off of Hegdish, that's for sure it needs to be visible. Our question is, is that does it render it at least possible for being brought as an actual carbon? What are the two sides of that discussion? We have the one pasuk on the one. We have a pasuk on the one hand that says "tamim um, which means um, that it has to be complete and not no blemishes whatsoever. Then it's acceptable as a korban. So if it's missing anything, it's completely not good. Or on the other hand, maybe the tamim yel is just to include any type of blemish. Uh, but but what do we mean by a mum? Something that's visible on the outside. Um, and the same, just like a blemish, it's only when it's visible on the outside. So to a chesaron, it must be visible from the outside. So we tried proving this question that it's perhaps a machlokis tanoim. Because on the one hand, we saw one mishneic source that says that the, when it says in the pasuk that the, you take you remove the two kidneys and bring it up on the altar with the fat on it. Um, so if it's saying only when it has two kidneys, if it has only one kidney, then it doesn't get brought up. Or if it has three kidneys, it doesn't get brought up. And then the other brisa, there's a brisa that says that uh, you remove the kidney. Sounds like even if there's only one kidney, that's what you remove. So um, that's the two sides. Now, at this juncture, in order to bring a proof, we think that every uh, that it's not born naturally with just one. So if it's, it has one, it obviously had two, and now one is missing, and uh, that's what we're talking about. So the Gemara says, uh, maybe there's the Machlokas. One says, Chesor mibifnim is Yishmei Chesoron. That's the first opinion that we brought. And the other one is that it's not. So Rabbi Yosef says, not true. Really, everybody agrees that sometimes they're born like that. 
and a chesarin b'fnim is a chesarin, and the kasha is, are we talking about the ratios, not a kasha, there's two opinions, two scenarios, one's talking about we was born with two, and one is gone or ruined, and that's where it's going to be possible, and the other one we was created with just one, and then it will be acceptable. So the Gemara says that doesn't fit into the text, because it says that one is not good, like three is not good. Now three wasn't that it was born with two and then a third one decided to grow. It was born, it was born with that anomaly, assumedly, right? So that's the same thing over here. It was born with just one. So that doesn't fit. So we said, you're right. What we're talking about over here is that um, um, uh, is it, it, does that creation happen by itself? So one, uh, one says that, 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 that it can happen that way. The other opinion is that it cannot. Um, can it be born with just one, or must it be that it had at least two, and then one went missing? And Rabbi Yochanan says, you don't have to say that. It could be everyone agrees that you can be born that way with one. And chesarim b'fnim is a chesarim, but there's not the, the, difficult, the difference between the two opinions is when did the chesarim happen? Was it before shechita or after uh, shechita, meaning maybe if it met, if it was born, if it was before shechita, that's um, that's when it's no good. Um, it has to have two kliyos before shechita, but after shechita, if there's one that went missing, then it doesn't bother us. Yes. Why would uh, <coughs> sorry? Why would Hashem create something that's like that? I mean, without creating it. I mean, one kid, the, I mean... That happens all the time. There are a lot of yeah. people who are born... Well, I'm not sure what you're asking. There's a lot of people who who are born with physical, you know, problems. Well, They're would, short. Why would Hashem create something with physical defect? I mean, why would He do that? Born like that, I mean, why? I'm saying, that's a, a very good general question. Why does, you know, there's a lot of things. Is that's the age-old question. Why do bad things happen to good people or innocent people? Why do children die? It's all one and the same question. There's a, we are only given a very small vision of what we are able to see. And God has a purpose for every, every creation that He creates. And if it's created with a specific missing, you know, part of the body missing, that's the way God created that person for a specific reason. We don't always know the reason. That's all. times and seasons. We don't know. That's all. That's the answer. I don't care. I'm sorry if it doesn't help, but that's the bottom line. We don't know. All right, but uh, it's uh, it's an observation. There's a lot of people like that, a lot of animals like that, and that's the way it is. So all right. It, it get finished, the answer gets finished. That that it that it, if it is born deficient, that it's not going to be acceptable. The bow, the bo- you want to know what the bottom line is? Okay, the bottom line is is that uh, is that if it's born without with with these defic- with these particular deficiencies, before that, then it's acceptable. If it's a, if it's na- if, uh, well, I'm sorry, the other way around. If it was missing, we didn't finish the sentence. Okay. If it's if it was if it was if it was uh, before shrita, then it's for sure no good. We're talking about where it's missing. So there's missing, it had two, it's missing one. That's for sure no good, and that's what we're talking about, okay? Chesarim b'bifnim is a chesarim, okay? When doesn't it bother us? When it's after shechita. And we said not after shechita before Kabbalah, because before Kabbalah it's also a problem. But after shechita and Kabbalah, then the kidney went missing, and then it's okay, we don't worry about it. That's where it just 
you know, disappeared. So it got lost or something. But by the way, the yeah. bottom line, if, if they have one, one, one kidney or three kidneys, they will not sacrifice it. It's not acceptable. Not acceptable. Unacceptable, yeah. right. Not for, for Koba. Mm-hmm. You can eat it, but not Koba. Right, it's not a, it's not a trefa. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next, we talked about is um, right, and we proved from uh, from Rabzir in the name of Rav that uh, Kabbalah, you need to the animal needs to be intact at the point when you catch the blood. So the Gemara says, yeah, that uh, you're right, but uh, but before the zrika is okay though. So you it's you sh- you shechted the animal, it had the two kidneys. You caught the blood, it still had the two kidneys. After the catching of the blood, somewhere before you did this rika, one of the kidneys disappear. It's still kosher. Aye, it says that it needs to be intact even for the holacha and this, the walking and the sprinkling. The Gemara says that's talking about the fact that it needs to be benshana. It doesn't need to be complete at the time. And the proof is because we saw Rabbi Yeshua holds that any korban that's in the Torah that's missing, even that is only left a gezayis of meat or gezayis of chilev, that's good enough to do this rigastam. You can bring the korban to fruition even if most of it is missing. So surely if the, one of the kidneys is missing, merely just one of the kidneys, that surely wouldn't bother us. We're obviously talking about where it was missing uh, much more than that, and it's still fine. So what it meant is the fact that it needs to be within the year, which teaches us an important side point, which is that uh, it can age. Um, it, it, you know, the, it, it ages at, at this point, and we count the hours of the age. And if it was born in two in the afternoon, um, uh, you know, 365 uh, uh, days ago, so then, and at 158, you shechted it and caught the blood, but you didn't get to do the zrika till after two, so now it's already into its second year, that's already going to so be unacceptable. The ages after it dies. And that's the, another chiddush, is that it keeps getting older, right? So there you go. Um, so that's the story. All right. Um, we thought that we have a proof that this question of uh, whether a mum shebifnim uh, that's not near a bachutz, it's not visible on the outside, qualifies as a blemish or not, is perhaps a machlokas tanoim. That's because we're talking about a number of blemishes, and amongst them are various situations that happen to the testicles and you know, crushed testicles. Uh, Etc. A bunch of different scenarios, and um, according to Rabbi Yehuda, this uh, these cases of Malch, Kosos, Nosuk, and Karos are all with regards to the testicles. And the Gemara says not only the testicles, but of course the male member as well. Now, um, so the Gemara says, and what does Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov say that they're all only in the male member and not in the testicles? And Rabbi Yossi says it depends. Malch and Kosos. First two are even in the testicles, and Natsuk and Charus are only in the male member. So the question is this. Um, um, aren't they arguing? The two extreme opinions seem to be arguing in whether Chesorim Mibifnim is Chesorim, because after all, the testicles are inside, um, and maybe that's called Chesorim according, uh, according to one opinion, and according to the other opinion, that's not called Chesorim. So the Gemara says that makes sense because then we have no explanation for Rabiosi. Rabiosi is saying neither here nor there. You know, like if you hold Chesarin b'Befnim is a Chesarin, so then why is Nasuk v'Charus 
also not applicable by the by the beitzim by the by the testicles. And if you say that it's not a chesaron, so then mochvachosus should also be not good enough because it's inside. So clearly, what we're talking about is not mumin shebesay. So we're not we don't consider this hidden blemishes. We consider this visible blemishes and. Uh, review this op- of the opinion that you can uh, the fact that you can see the fact that the testicles are crushed it's noticeable it looks shrunken so then that's why it qualifies as a blemish it's a visible blemish that you would allow, be allowed to shech the animal on the basis notuk and chorus is uh, is also a blemish according to review and that's because they hang lower than 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 if it was still attached. And Reb Liazer ben Yaakov says that moch v'chosus is not a mum, why? Because sometimes it, it sometimes it doesn't look that large, or it can look that way. And uh, and you know, bottom line is it doesn't look that noticeably different. And the same thing with nostalgic chorus, because sometimes it hangs low also, and uh, even when it is attached. And also, and Reb Yossi says no, it, the first two, the crushing crushed testicles, is more noticeable. It's in fact not there, and not to concurs, being that they are still there, the testicles, so therefore it's not considered a blemish. Bottom line is, it is it's not relevant to our question, and the question actually is still standing whether the moment Shebiseser qualifies enough to passel it as a korban, and like you said, al we're machmir that if it's missing anything on the inside, even if it's not visible to the outside, we're not going to accept it as a korban. Brings us to the next Mishnah talking about the uh, encasement of the, the sheath that covers the, uh, the male member, or the, there's a section that covers the nekeva. So there's interesting differentiation. When it, when it has a pigam in it, it's missing a piece of it, or it's cut, or something, that will not heal, and it will be considered a blemish. However, if it's completely removed, then it will regrow it, and, um, and therefore it's not a blemish. Okay, so it's an interesting uh, thing. Um, then we also saw the, uh, the tail that, uh, from the bone, if it has a, a broken part of the tail, and we saw it depends where the, the damage is. And that is as far as we got to yesterday. I don't think I got to the Gemara, right? I did the Gemara? A little bit. I got to the next piece. Let's drop. Okay. Anyway, so Rebbe Lazar said that if there's a... If uh, if the if it's not removed, then it's going to be uh, that that's when it's going to be a blemish, um, um, and the brisa even supports that. That's what I mentioned in the Gemara in the Mishnah because if there's a pagam and the kiss is not removed, um, but uh, there was a story that actually took place where a wolf re- took it away and it grew back. So that's only a problem when there's a pagam, but not when it's completely taken away. Um, that's it. And that's it. That's where I got up to. All right, let me stop the timer.